So let's get started. Um, started off, it was going to look looked like we were going to have a very long ballot dealing with ballot uh, questions. At one point, we had 15 different proposals that were either in the works, out collecting petitions, um, being dealt with by the legislature. You can see with the number that were crossed out that many of those dropped off for one reason or another, and we're left with the three at the end dealing with the term limits, the promote the vote, and the reproductive freedom. So I'm gonna to talk to you about term limits. Uh, it deals with two things, the um, financial disclosure and a change in the way we uh, affect term limits for our legislature. This is a language you'll see when you either get your absentee ballot or when you show up on November 8th. Uh, so what's it going to do? It's going to allow members of the legislature to serve a total of 12 years in the House, the Senate, or a combination of the two. Currently, Michigan provides that a person, a legislator, may serve three terms in the House, two terms in the Senate, six years in the House, or eight in the Senate. Um, and it's, and it, so it's a forced change uh, if you want to remain a legislature legislator for as long as possible. Uh, this would change the from terms to years in terms of the limit and change the total amount of time that a person could possibly be a legislator. How will that affect our legislature? Uh, based on looking at California before us and and thinking about some of the motives of the legislators that have um, over the last 30 years, we think that it's going to allow legislators to go into the House, go into the Senate and stay there for as long as the voters will have them building tenure on a track to becoming committee chairs, um, you know, whip, Senate Majority Leader, Speaker of the House, whatever, uh, however high they can go in that leadership role. So one thing we did in our paper was to look backwards to say, you know, is, is 14 years or 12 years, is that a increase in time? Is it a reduction in time? It's hard to know looking forward and how this change in going from terms to years will affect things, but we can learn from going backwards. What we found out was that over the 30 years that Michigan has had term limits, we've had 737 people serve in the legislature. 675 of people served as representatives, and most of the time they tried to maximize their time in the House. 60% of representatives served for the full three terms. Uh, those who did not serve for the full three terms did so either because uh, the, the people said, well, you know, that's it, we're done with you, or they decided to um, run for the Senate and forego uh, one of their terms or two of their terms as a representative. Uh, in any case, some did go on to become senators. 160 people have served 
as senators in those 30 years, two thirds of them have served for the full two terms. Uh, we have a third only one term. So some of that is because we took a snapshot in time and there are current senators who are going to try to continue on and others either decided they were done or the people decided for them that they were done. Of those 160 people who are senators, 98 of them, 61% were representatives first. So we do see a very strong pattern of representatives moving to the Senate that uh, constitutes, um, so 61%. And of that group that became, were representatives became senators, 42 of them are about 43% of the senators serve the maximum three terms in the House, two terms in the Senate. So what that tells us is 14 years going to 12, is that a extension or reduction? Is it neutral? 6% uh, of people over the last 30 years have maxed out their time. Another 5% have served 12 years. So 11% in total would be affected by this 12 year limit as we look backwards. And it's, it's important to note that those people, uh, that 89% that did not serve the full term would find eligibility. Um, for some of them had eligibility already and have not chosen to, to use it. But uh, my takeaway from this is that a 12 year term will not affect many legislators going forward. There will be, of course, be some who want to stay as long as the people will have them, but not everyone. And so we'll see. It'll, it'll be a term limit for some people. We looked at how other states have implemented term limits. And you see Michigan here is the, uh, in the 14 year group currently. Uh, you notice there's two other states that are sort of grayed out there. So in 1990, California implemented term limits. In 1992, Michigan and Arkansas did the same, and they all based, they all adopted basically the same pattern. Three terms in the House, two terms in the Senate. By um, So California in 2012 decided what we're going through. They just say this isn't working. There's issues with how people are being termed out and everything that we're dealing with. In 2012, they amended their constitution to go to 12 years total. In 2014, Arkansas made the same estimation, but they moved to 16 years total, uh, allowing a legislator to choose how they want to use that time. And then it was a short uh, six years later, Arkansas said, you know what, that's too long. It's not really term limits. Um, it's, it's not really affecting anyone. So they amended their constitution another time and moved it to 12 years total. So uh, Michigan with our chamber limits, six years in the House, two terms in the Senate, is as strict as any state. Nebraska is at eight years total. Um, they, of course, are a unicameral legislature. And so 
it doesn't matter what happens for the House or Senate, they only have one chamber and that's eight years. So Michigan ties with Nebraska having strict limits. Nobody has as strict of limits for a house as we do. Um, so a, a change would put us in line with Arkansas and California and Oklahoma's been in that group for some time. So as we think about this proposal, we're not asking to get rid of it, but at the same time, we had to ask, why do we have goal term limits and have they accomplished what the proponents set out for them to do? One thing that uh, was talked about 30 years ago was the idea of restoring accountability. Uh, the idea, Jeffersonian idea of a citizen legislature where people come and they serve some time and they go back, become citizens again and live under the laws that were enacted during their time. So have we seen that? Yes, we've had an artificial means of telling people you only get a limited amount of time and you'll have to rotate out. Uh, the same time for that full 30 years, we've had very strong gerrymandering in the state, gerrymandering the idea that the legislature creates districts and the party in charge can draw the districts to their benefit, create safe seats. So whether you're in a Republican district or a Senate district, many parts of the state have had this representatives from the same party for a long period of time. So while there has been a rotation of people, we haven't necessarily had a rotation of ideology or a rotation of fresh ideas coming in. Often it's been the party line for a lot of these issues. The proponents 30 years ago talked about restoring electoral competition. Of course, we're doing that. We're forcing people, uh, legislative districts to become open districts and uh, available for anyone to run. Uh, again, the party leaders that you, you sort of see coming down the road that we're going to have an open seat. The parties have taken very active roles in recruiting chosen candidates. So. Uh, yes, anybody can run. Yes, it's an open competition. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen this sort of competition that I think the proponents hoped for when th this was created. They hoped it would reduce the special interest influence. Uh, clearly, it's made the job of lobbyists harder, where they might be able to meet and educate legislators and tell them all about whatever their special interest is and why they should vote yes or no on certain bills. They still do that. It just, now you have to meet more people, do more educating, bring everyone up to speed. And we found that because of the turnover in the legislature, nobody's sticking around really for a long time to become po policy experts in whatever committee they're assigned to area that they work in a lot of times the lobbyists have supplanted the uh, district input that representatives would be getting or supplanted the idea that you'll have a trusted legislator somebody is that policy expert that you can go to so it has made the lobbyist job harder but we don't think it has lessened the influence of special interests finally they talked about increasing diversity, trying to get more women and minorities into the legislature representing 
Um, we have seen more diversity. Clearly, you can go through and look at the uh, makeup of the legislature over these 30 years and see that we do, uh, we have had more women, have had more minorities. It's not clear how much of that is related to term limits, however, because at the same time, we can look at other states, we can look at the federal government without term limits. We can see that there's more women, more diversity. We can look at business. We have a female head of General Motors and other major businesses. And we can look at civic organizations around us and see more women, more minorities engaged in different things. So yes, it's happened. How much of it is related to term limits is hard to say. So I've just got done saying that they're, they have accomplished what the proponents set out for. Why then are we thinking about amending them? Why did the proponents of proposal one offer this amendment to change the nature and time of term limits? Well, they think that um, term limits have increased the amount of partisanship. Uh, it's already, of course, very strong nationwide, but they think if you can focus in on Michigan and other term limited states that we are becoming even more partisan than other states. Uh, and they think that by uh, doing so that the legislators have shifted their focus away from the district, more interested in what the party is, is preaching than what the district uh, constituents are telling them have weakened the executive branch oversight executed by the legislative branch um, and, and so on. So if we can, the idea is if we can allow them to spend more time in either chamber, they can worry more about issues and less about electioneering and focus more on some of these things that seem to have been foregone. Uh, they, the proponents of Proposal 1 allege that term limits have created an unwillingness to tackle difficult political issues. Uh, we've seen in the past policies be adopted where the implementation begins when that current class of legislators gets termed out. Uh, leave it for the next group to worry about the back uh, backlash on some of the difficult decisions and uh, how much of that is is pure politics how much of it is trying to guess what the economy is doing and how much is term limit is hard to say finally the group alleges that uh, term limits have weakened the chamber leadership uh, because we have a speaker of the house that is uh, ascending to power after only two terms only four years experience in the House of Representatives. Uh, the allegation is that that person really hasn't been around enough to know all the, you know, the, the tricks of the trade and really uh, gained enough information and influence to be a strong party leader. Uh, the Senate Majority Leader becomes Ascends to that office only after one term in the Senate. We, you know, in our, in our look backwards, we found that many of them were representatives first. So at least four years in the House before serving four years in the Senate. So eight years as a legislator, but still some not as long as past Senate majority leaders. 
Um, and then we, because of uh, the term limits, we see a lot of these chamber leaders have been really focused on fundraising for the rank and file, trying to keep the legislature in the hands of the Republican or win it back for the Democrats, rather than really getting into a lot of the issues. So again, trying to sway the focus away from electioneering, focus on the issues, Michigan challenged in so many different issues. So term limits uh, is part of it. The other part of it is to mandate a law to deal with financial disclosure. Uh, this law, when enacted, would deal with the, would affect the governor, the lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, uh, and members of the House and the Senate. Uh, it requires an enactment uh, to re reveal for each of these officials, what their assets are, where their income comes from, not how much income, but what are the sources of income? To whom do they have liabilities? If they hold any positions in any committees, any um, nonprofit groups, anything like that. So we know what sort of influence they might have from outside the chamber. Do they have arrangements for future employment? You've seen the sort of the revolving door. You leave the chamber and uh, as the next group is sworn in, you move into an office across the street in Lansing and begin working for a lobbyist or some other group. Uh, gifts received, whether that is uh, small tokens that they get at conferences or, or major gifts, they would have to reveal that in some way. Payments made for travel. We've seen this a number of times. People go on these junkets and it's all paid for by someone. Uh, and finally, payments in, made in lieu of chair, uh, a charity, uh, in lieu of honoraria. So the legislator doesn't necessarily benefit, but their, their favored charity does. Um, so we, of course, have times to be cynical about um, different things our legislature does. And sometimes you can look at this amendment and, and think about, is this requirement for financial disclosure your window dressing, or is it really substantive? It doesn't do anything but require that the legislature enact a law in the future. And what I would say with this, uh, this proposal started off as a petition being drafted. So um, citizens were going to ask to put this question on the ballot. And as part of that, they had a two um, double barrel approach, term limits and financial disclosure. Um, term limits very popular. So could you win extra support with this financial disclosure? They convinced the legislature to put it on the ballot without having to collect all the petitions. And the, the legislature did so, but in doing so, because the legislature can enact this law anyways, they don't need a constitutional mandate to do so. In essence, what it boils down to is the legislature saying, we haven't done our job, and now we want to you to the people to adopt this constitutional amendment requiring us to do our job and you should vote for this. Um, 
So again, if there's ever a time to be cynical about something, this might fall into that 